0: and we are live it is episode 26 of the lyrical ones podcast i am your humble just getting trying to get as much as i can out of the struggle host Cincinnio for those that know those that have been with us now we are 26 episodes in super thankful for the for the people who constantly tune in on all different platforms but i fluent
1: how are you doing Outflowing in the building. Uh, it's a great day. The feeding is tomorrow, and you know we 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 um, averted a coup in the White House, and uh, Kamala Harris dropped the dressing recipe. <laughs> she dropped the cornbread uh, cornbread dressing recipe. So twenty twenty is in full effect
0: still. What is a time it, is weird where w- weird, weird as it can be. What a time. What a time. What a time. What a time indeed. This is a time. This is episode 26 of the Lyrical Ones Podcast. And we have a special guest. Finally. okay, Be spoken. Spoke <laughs> How <laughs> Finally. are you doing?
2: Yo, so it's 10 o'clock where I am. Mm, it's town's 10, 10 10:30 where I am. So I am good. For it, the fact that it's almost 11. <laughs> but it's all right. My whole life, even though I'm on the East Coast now, my whole life still functions on West Coast time. Um, like my job is what my job is, a, is West Coast on my art projects and creative stuff is still West Coast. So I'm doing good. I drank coffee before I came here, so I'm good.
0: That's what's uh that we appreciate that. We appreciate you putting forth the effort, the energy, the time. Thank you for grace, gracing us, like so gracious t- for you to be here in all your glory. Um, but more importantly, what is the connection between bespoke it and lyrical opposition?
2: Ooh, that's a good question. Okay, so let me take you back on a little bit of history. Um, I moved to the Bay Area from Colorado in 2015. Um, My second day in the city, I went to a show that Lyrical Ops was doing. My best friend brought me there. And um, she goes up to one of the guys, you know, hosting the event. It's like, this is my girl, Brittany. She's a poet. She just like want to learn a little bit more about y'all and what you do. And then it was like, oh, hey, nice to meet you. Okay, bye. (laughs) And then two weeks later... I ended up at another event that Ella was doing and it was vibing. It was really, really dope. I went there straight from work. And this was before I realized that Bay Area work clothes culture is totally different than traditional corporate styles. I was like in a suit um, and it's vibing. Everybody's feeling great. And somebody goes, somebody on the stage goes, so we hear there's somebody in the room. Who's interested in joining our crew? And I'm like, ooh, this is gonna be so good. And they're like, is there a Britney Williams in the house? And I'm like, ooh, a Britney. Ooh, that sounds like my name. Is that me? And I look up, and they are looking at me. I look over my best friend, like I'm going to murder you. And she gives me the look, like I am so sorry. I go up on the stage, petrified that they're about to make me like freestyle or something, which I admittedly do not do. And they're like, so we well, you hear a poet? And I'm like. Yeah, you're interested in joining our crew, and I was like, sure, great, you're in the crew, takes the necklace off, puts it on me, and without knowing a thing, (laughs) that very very one, without knowing a thing about Lyrical Ops, except that it's a group of poets or anything else, I was in the crew. About a month later, I found out exactly what Lyrical Ops was. And started working with the admin team to help um, plan shows, prepare events, network and connect with other organizations in the community. Um, and then about four months after that, I ended I started performing as a lyrical ops poet. So my journey with Ello is in short, there would be no bespoke at the poet without lyrical opposition.
0: <laughs> that is very That is very unique. I mean, everybody that we've brought on that has ties or is a part of the Lyrical Opposition family, it is very unique stories. And I have to say, by far, that's the one that stands out to me because it's like how like that's that to me is more representative of what I've come to know with Lyrical Opposition in the sense of like, hey, if you didn't know, you're part of it now. And it's like that's kind of how it gets down. Like you don't know. Like I say it again. I'll say it now. You are chosen as much as you choose to be. So thank you for taking that opportunity to actually get on stage because most people have been like, I'm headed for the exit. But mm-hmm. you actually was like, you know what? I'm going to just go with it and we're going to see what happens. And, you know, time tells and, you know, we were able to connect through a fellow a fellow lyrical opposition member, Figo. Um, we were able to do a performance together. It was an incredible performance. It was at the Berkeley Museum. And Speaking to that performance, you are a poet, but what are some of the other talents that you hold?
2: I know what you're getting at. You're trying to get people to know that I sing, which I do sing. Um, I am not singing tonight.
0: <laughs> it's be, I, I, I feel not it. Sing. It's a stretch.
2: I also draw and I paint. Hey. <laughs> hey.
1: Yeah,
2: and I, I design I design things. I sew. I'm a project manager, like I do. I have my hands in so many different creative projects. I just started making my own soaps and body oils. So, um, mm. yeah, I a lot of creative stuff going on, but I know what you were getting at.
0: <laughs> I mean, you know, I couldn't help myself, you know, because I, I, I remember we was in the room, we was in the living room, and you start all like, what? Then what are we doing? I'm like, oh, it's good. We're going to kill this. But more importantly, I'm not going to put too much on it because there's a time and place for everything and right now is not time, not the place. But I do want people to, to be aware of kind of the the space that you hold when you come into a space right because it is on one end what you can do but it's also who you are as a person cuz what I've noticed is that you definitely have a lot of presence right like when you step into a space right it's either we going to know who you are or we going to find out like there ain't no ifs ands buts about it right like you're going to either speak up or somebody going to get you to speak up because Again, it's it's just who you are and what I've seen. So, how
2: did you get the name
0: Bespoke It?
2: Oh, okay. I like this story too. So, my um, first stage name was, now I don't remember. Alex, do you remember my my original stage name? Alex is so still (laughs) quiet. (laughs) <laughs> Look,
0: he just he just go say the name. That's it. He's <laughs> Like that was the name.
2: No, it was something else that I cannot remember right now, which is probably for the best. Um, speaks it. B. It was B speaks. That's what it was.
1: B speaks. Thank okay.
2: You. It was B speaks. Um, and I ended up changing it after going through some changes in my own life. I feel like my whole life in the Bay was just like this constant metamorphosis. <laughs> constant changing. Alex was there with me through so many of, so much of it. And um, one day I got up and I was thinking about the concept of uh, something um, handmade, something custom made. So the term for custom made in Britain, where my family is from, is bespoke custom. So I was like, everything I make is custom made. It's handmade. It comes crafted directly from myself. There's nothing else like it because I made it. It's bespoke bespoke it. And then I liked the concept of having at the at the moment my original name was bespeaks as it I'm speaking. But I loved the idea of manifesting things that I spoke. So I spoke it and then it happened. I loved that idea. So my new my my name bespoke it is a play on those two concepts. Something custom made that I spoke into existence is what my name means.
0: A whole yeah. lot a whole <laughs> lot that's a whole that's a lot of layers right there that's a whole i mean the whole hold on let's take it back mm-hmm. i'm about to be butchering all kinds of accents because i can't do none of them <laughs> in it in it in it in it, in oh, it.
2: darling oh, oh dear yeah i mean i guess that's quite kind of all right it's yeah.
0: so dope in it it's oh, so <laughs> fresh in it but anyways i just i couldn't help it because as soon as you said it, i was like wait wait that that takes a whole nother level and meaning right to like to have kind of that historical legacy lineage identity that exists outside of the scope of the American dynamics, but is also very much rooted within kind of the American dynamics. And then see that the best spoke, right? Like that that original kind of tailor-made fit for one, at the same time, be able to speak things into existence. I'm like, okay, my mind is melting. (laughs) I am definitely, for those that don't know, I like this show. This, I mean, we gonna do. We always do our little endorsements. Uh, there's a show called Man Like Mo Bean on Netflix. I love it. Um, Chewing Gum. I love it as well. Actually, the creator, she is incredible. She has a new show on HBO. But, but by like you see, like this is the creative flow and juices like that that permeates from the other land, right? The the other other motherland, if you will, in terms of just kind of that American sauce, and so. That is crazy that you know you have those layers, meanings, and kind of it's just I don't know, foundational like just characteristics of who you are. Like, because I mean, like I said, when you come into a space, that's why I had that figured out, like you really like you own the space that you in, and you speak with such a command, right? Such of a confidence, but also like it's it's like it's a calming, it's soothing. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like And so it's just like, how do you come up, how do you even have a name that is so representative of, like, they kind of, it just coincides with who you are, right? Like, Mm. it's some people, they have names, and, you know, they kind of grow into the definition before you can really figure out what the name is, right? Like, someone to tell you a name, they are the ones that define it. But with your name, it's like, literally, as soon as you get that name, bespoke, it's like, hmm, and then when you see the person, it's instantaneous. It's not even like a time period or a learning curve or a process. It's like you can see it as soon as a person comes in the room. Like, okay, all right. now We got to back down. We got to back up. Okay. <laughs> as you've seen on the bottom of the screen, for those that don't have the ability to watch the video, that aren't watching it live, that won't see this, um, Abby Spoken for the ability to connect um, Bespoke the poet on Facebook bespokeitpoetry.com right that's B B as in boy S as in Sam P as in Paul O as in opiates K as in Key E as in Edward I as in Iowa and T as in Terry bespoke it okay so get connected right be be familiar I Had to throw in them little you know yeah. dark dips in terms of wordplay but um <laughs> more importantly like you know kind of what was like take us back like how did you get into the to the art in the world of poetry into Mm -hmm. you know words
2: yeah so um like a lot of us millennials um i come from a pretty dysfunctional family beautiful family love my people but we grew up kind of crazy and um my brothers i i'm a i'm a daughter of two immigrant parents um the only girl in a family of three children so I have two brothers one of them is my twin brother and uh my brothers dealt with the turmoil that we were all experiencing very outwardly and I dealt with mine very inwardly and so I experienced anxiety and depression from a very 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 young age um something I still work through thank God for poetry um and therapy <laughs> but I at the time, there was no such thing as therapy. So I started writing when my, my mom gave me a journal when I was in fifth grade. Um, she noticed that I like to write stories. And um, her teach my teachers had told her that I was a good writer and that she should provide me with more opportunities to tell my to tell stories. So she gave me a journal. And I think within the first couple of weeks, I filled up that journal, asked for another one, filled up that journal, asked for another one. And by the time I got to high school, I had just stacks of journals where I had written stories, thoughts, poetry, all kinds of things, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and so what started off as my own personal way of coping with life, um, I didn't even know it was a thing. I didn't even know what spoken word was or, until I got to senior year in high school I was literally dragged to an open mic at a coffee shop not too far from my neighborhood. Um, And a friend of mine was like, you gotta hear these people, they're dope. And I'm like, whatever, listen to it. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. Was super intimidated. The whole time I was like, well, that's great for them but I'm not getting up there. And as soon as I had that thought, the guy moderating the event was like, anybody in the room wanna share? And my friend just goes, she does. And I'm looking at him like, excuse you, rude.
1: You know how to pick though your real. You know how to pick your friends.
2: I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Um, the cool thing about that moment though is something in me told me not to walk away from it. So I said okay, and I had just written this piece at school that day. So I went up there and read it, and um, the person moderating the event happened to be uh, one of the senior English teachers at my school. I'd never met him, but he was also the um was the sponsor of the poetry club, didn't even know my school had a poetry club. He ended up inviting me to join the club and in turn ended up inviting me to be on this TV show that his class was helping to produce for an HBO series um, that Robert Townsend was producing. And that's kind of where it got started. Um, I did some work in college, but I was really struggling with my identity as a person, much less an artist. So I kept a lot of my art to myself Um, trying to figure out what to do with it. Uh, Worked for a couple of churches doing creative arts and and poetry stuff. And and that was cool, but it still wasn't like all what I really wanted to do. Moved to Colorado and didn't touch poetry for two years. And literally that day I got to the Bay Area and Met Lyrical Opposition was like the fire stick to this bottle of gasoline I had been walking around with for the last, for like 25 years. So yeah <laughs> ah!
0: <laughs> exactly, pretty much for those that couldn't tell our just blew up on the screen um <laughs> it's it, but it's it's so real because it's like you know just in that in that that two year gap, right to have to ha- go through that moment where it's like it's almost like you like as a creative, right, I don't want to make the assumption, but I can relate in the sense that sometimes you just have those moments where you gotta kind of just let it be. Mm -hmm. and things just kind of happen you live things you go through processes and yeah like alflon said you know how to pick your friends where there's gonna be these situations where people see you and know you enough to know like you got it you got this even if you don't see it even if you don't even realize it or own it in that moment people around you gonna be like hey her right there she got this.
2: Let me tell you, most every major thing in my life that's happened to me, I didn't go out and find it. I didn't go out and make it happen. Somebody literally like dragged me to it or it just came to me. <laughs> I'm standing there minding my, my own business. So it's like, oh, hey, by the way, I'm like, oh, OK, cool. Thank you. Or no, no, no. I don't want to go. I don't want to do this. Oh, this was great. <laughs> literally, that's how my life has gone. <laughs>
0: that's incredible i mean Mm -hmm. that speaks to like purpose but also like community right like Mm -hmm. the people around you and them knowing who you are as a person and being in tune with you even when you might not be in tune with the situation or what's around you in the surrounding areas people see like there's something about you i need to bring you to this so you can be a part of this so you can do what you need to do so people can see it because it is a thing where like i said like once you, once you, once people meet you, it's one of those things where, you know, like pfft, she about it, like whatever she about, she about it. And that's mm. it. You know what I'm saying? Like be spoke it, but be also like it's about it. Right. It ain't just spoke it is about it. So <laughs> with that comes like a level of responsibility. But I, I feel like with that comes a lot in terms of history, a lot in terms of identity that goes before what you who you are. Right. And to me, I'm interested, since you did bring it up, like, where did you like where did you grow up? Like, where is the foundational roots for you? And like, what, what did it look like? Where were you? You know, what did the outside the house? What was the school like? Where was the where was that at? Where did that transformation and foundation come from?
2: Yeah. So let me start. Let me see where I start. Mm-hmm. So my parents um, separated when I was young, Um and then, but there's, their separation was really weird. Like there was never like a full separation. So we grew up kind of like back and forth, like kind of will they, won't they, <laughs> will they, won't they. They eventually ended up, won't they. Um, and by then we were all grown and it was like, whatever y'all do is cool with us. We're just trying to live life. <laughs> um, so there was a lot of that, just the ground always feeling like it's not too stable under your feet feeling. I grew up with that feeling. Um, and then at school, I, I, well, I get. I guess that uh, that uncertainty drove me to be very driven to be successful in school. So at school, I was the go to school, keep your head down, get your work done type of person. Um, top of class, all A's. Like be academics, be successful, be successful, be successful. Like whatever you do in school, you have to excel at because we have to make sure that something good comes out of this is is the mindset I always had, you know, growing up, Um, which was really funny because my brothers, both of my brothers were like the most popular people in school. And whenever anybody found out we were related, they were shocked. (laughs) I was the quiet nerd kid who was in the AP classes that nobody really knew. Um, The only time I was known was in marching band on the performance field. Um, but other than that, like when I was performing or doing something in, in those spaces, either in music, I played all kinds of instruments growing up. Uh, I played saxophone, I played um, a viola, I played piano, I played drums, played some guitar. Um, so whenever I was in some kind of performance space, everything was all about Excel, 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 Excel. So my identity really became this like driven to be successful um, which ended up, you know, it's not a bad thing because it gave me a lot of discipline, but I feel like it it hindered my um, personality in a way because I became this obsessed perfectionist kind of human. And that's what I love about being a poet now because I, I feel like my work, even in my work, I, I'm getting the opportunity to reverse all of that and just be a human, be a person um, versus just being this driven to succeed creature.
0: <laughs> no, I feel it. I mean, it's that whole identity of like, needing to perform like you know I mean because the, the thing that immediate me the connection is right we talked about it many times on this on this podcast around the idea of industrialism right the whole input output right and like how they they being those who are the the orchestrators of society creating these systems for us to be producers right like we got to produce results right we got to produce 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 and here you are, you took it upon yourself, in a sense, as a reaction to what's going on at home to be like, OK, you know what? I'm going to use this as a way to just distract myself. Right. To give myself kind of my own carrot on the stick. You know, I there ain't nothing stable here. I can't control it, but I can control this. This game, I can control it. I can take it over and mm-hmm. I could just manipulate it to my will and get lost in it. Right. Lost in the routine of like accomplishment but also that speaks to work ethic, that speaks to discipline, that speaks to practice, right? And so it's these these kind of, these two different things where on one end it's like, yeah, you can lose sight of individuality when you see every goal in front of you, right? Cause it's just like, I don't have time to stop and smell the roses unless mm-hmm. I'm growing them, right? If I'm not growing them, if I'm not watering, tending to them, if I'm not the one that's gonna snip cut, then I'm running to the goal, right? Mm-hmm. I don't have time to do anything other than what's the next opportunity for growth or the next achievement in the pathway. And I think that, you know, it is easy for people to lose sight of how, even though it's great in the scope of what society says, you don't really get the time to step back and reflect on who you are and which, you know, what is your personal wants, your needs, right? What is the, the other languages besides the ones you're learning that you need for you to love yourself, pour into yourself and take care of you. Mm -hmm. And so, to me it's like w- like who was there anybody around you that also gave you that same outlook on terms of work and discipline like the need cuz you know to just step and be like I'm on it is one thing but did you also see someone else that was like they had a work ethic or a drive or or just that want of more that made you feel like you know what I'm going to do it for me
2: Yeah actually so my my family background is West Indian so my mom is my mom is British, but my grandparents were Jamaican. And if you know anything about Jamaicans, Jamaicans always have like four or five jobs. <laughs> Jamaicans be working.
0: I was just trying to get to it without getting to it because I was like, for her to have this hustle, I'm like, somewhere in there got to be some Jamaican blood because oh, yeah. even though it's it is a gross stereotype to make, <laughs> you cannot deny they have hustle. Right? Yes. They don't figure out a way out of no way.
2: Oh, that and that is literally the definition of my mother. <laughs> And she is the person. I watched her and I saw how no matter what, she was making it happen. She was always working, always like, I'm gonna handle this, I'm gonna handle this, I'm gonna handle this. And I am literally her mini child. I'm her mini person. <laughs> so, um, but it, it's it's so so crazy that you, you even mentioned that because I tell people all the time, I feel like I'm Benjamin Button, like living in reverse. Um, because now that I'm back in Atlanta and close to my family, I'm able to see how those things like that were great to help us survive but that kind of mindset is not good for thriving because it burns you out it burns it's like um you know if when I don't know if you know anything about gardening I'm a plant nerd um, but when you're planting a, a, um, planting something you can't plant it with the same tools that you would dig it up you need different tools and um, I feel like, that grind that grind that grind mindset is good in some seasons but if you try to operate like that all the time you going to die early and so i'm in the process now of even trying to walk that back even with my own with my own mom with my own family like we want you to last <laughs> i don't have children yet i don't know how to do that i need you to be around long enough to help me so you need to chill <laughs> so yeah balance Mm -mm. come on reverb on the mic
0: it's one of
1: those things people gotta bespoke i got a question yes what what was the the healing metamorphic work like for you in terms of your uh, working on your identity
2: Mm, that's a good question Uh, i'm gonna say it's still happening it's still in the process where it started, oh gosh, I, I don't even know where it started. Um, it started with a lot of brokenness, you know. Healing always starts with recognizing this is broken as hell. How do we stop this cycle of broken? Um, but really where it started for me is getting really, really painfully, grotesquely honest with myself about myself, with myself about the things that have caused any, you know, all the brokenness in my life. And then being very patient with myself along the process to healing. Um, Being willing to put down and let go of things that don't work, even if they were traditional or however long I've been practicing them or whatever. When they no longer serve me, put them down and pick up something that works. Um, And and understanding that I'm constantly going to be growing, changing and evolving. And as long as whoever, who I am at my core does not, Change and get corrupted. It's okay to change. Whatever else is going to move us forward, um, and that's been a really important process in my in my healing journey. Um, when I really kind of came to term, so the way the way I grew up in a very um, in a very Christian centered home, very Pentecostal bringing. There's like no such thing as depressed or anxious Christians because that wasn't of God. <laughs> so I did not even get. A handle on what I was experiencing until I was in my adulthood. And then recognizing, oh, this is anxiety. This is depression. This is not something that you can just like speak in tongues or pray away and it leaves. This is a process of healing that you have to go on. This is going to require tools that I don't have. So let me go get some. Let me go listen to some podcasts. Let me go get a therapist. Let me go learn yoga, meditation. Let me go learn all these things on top of scripture and prayer, those things are great, but they aren't the fix it all to everything. <clears throat> Let me get in community with some people who understand what I'm doing, dealing with so I can talk to them. I can call them when I'm in the middle of a crisis and they can you know, talk with me. So my my to answer your question, Alex, my um, healing journey has been one of extreme evolution. <laughs> lots of changing but brutal deep and not brutal as in like evil but just really raw honesty like oh girl i know that this this um this space that you were raised in teaches you to keep up these appearances but these appearances are going to crush you do you want to live or do you want to look good which one
1: <laughs> that's 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 real i was talking to some family earlier today actually about um the difference between uh playing injured and playing through pain mm and and a lot of times when you don't know like about your depression or your anxiety or what you're dealing with it's like playing injured and the more you play that way the more the 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 worse it is to get through the work the harder it is to heal um and you're really kind of burying the injury and Playing through pain is different because there's always conflict. There's always things that will throw you off balance. There's always things that you need to work on that will come up in a day, in a week, in a month. Mm-hmm. But the injury is usually something that that happened a long time ago. Uh, and you kind of play it. You just like living life, finding a way to get the job done without, without healing. And, uh, it's cool that you said, let me get some tools because when you're, when you're playing, when you're playing through pain, right? You can put some ice on it. You can wrap it. You can put it in a brace and the the muscle will be okay. You, you can work through it. But when you're playing injured, none of those things work.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: None of things. none of those things work when it comes to healing and, and your perspective was, let me get some tools. Let me, let me round out my resources for healing. Let me, let me fill up my first aid kit. Mm-hmm. You know, Because the wellness package that I have is, is not quite enough right now. Yeah. You know, and for you to acknowledge that is a great awareness, but it, it also means that you were diving deep to To see yourself, um, not to be seen by others, and you know, and what they see in you, but to to see to really take a look at what you see in yourself. Um, and I think that's probably why you show up with so so much presence because you have this grasp on your identity, and so there's this clarity that you enter in a room with, mm-hmm. where it's not people's eyes or their perspective or their words or their jeers or cheers that are changing who you are so no matter what you speak into existence it is regardless of what they say and i think that that speaks to your your presence and it's a testament to your presence on you know in this space but also you know anytime that um, I see you on stage or I hear you speak um, to people like I know that it comes from a place of effort you know toward your own understanding um, and how you have been designed and how you try to f- how you fit into the world um, mm-hmm. versus how the world fits you. Um, so yes, it's cool.
2: I love that. Thank you Alex.
0: i mean i also want to touch on just a couple things like just the way that you responded and how it really sums up a lot of what we've talked about in previous episodes i mean you know in some regards this podcast was born out of the harm that was existing in the period of time that we were all experiencing back in may right like we are experiencing extreme harm and we're hurting and we're trying to find a way to heal Right. Yeah. We're trying to repair the harm. And so we come together, we have these conversations and we start to discover or share the things that we feel like kind of are useful in our process of healing. Right. And you brought up community. You brought up identifying. Maybe this is the opportunity for me to go and seek out professional help in a different regard or different respect to us, to get some more tools. Right. You're talking about faith. You're talking about holistic perspective on. Yoga, on you know kind of how you're treating yourself, mm-hmm. what are the things that you're doing in every facet of your life that are a reflection of you gaining some sense of healing, some sense of wellness, right? And it's profound because as you hit every marker and I hear it, I'm like, okay, yes, this is this is this is what the conversation like in terms of us being people of color, us being black, us being in America. Right now, at this period of time, especially when it's easy for a lot of our allies to kind of be like, oh, we good now. Right. Because we ain't got nobody trying to overthrow the government. It's like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. It ain't nothing good. Mm -hmm. This is how we got here because we kept thinking it was cool and it's not cool. And so it is how do we sustain ourselves? Right. Because you said that as well. It's like if I'm going to be around, how do I make this sustainable? How do I make sure that I'm here for the long haul? Because it is a thing where if I keep pushing, driving, if if, I mean, we've lost a lot of great individuals just off of that. I need to go and get it mentality, right? I'm going to ignore the pain. I'm going to ignore the injury. I'm going to ignore how detrimental it is to my health. I'm going to push through and push past and find these easy fixes. When there ain't no easy fixes, And they get lost in the sauce and we don't have them anymore, right? And so you know i just want to commend you and and appreciate the fact that you said those things that you were so open honest and and vulnerable with it because it is something that oftentimes we don't want to take the time to really go deep and talk about and discover right and i think it's profound that you were able to kind of see it in such a an array right in a multitude in a spectrum to be like it ain't just one thing i need to do it's all these things i need to, to access it's all these different pieces i need to pull together to create my net, to, to really embrace me as I, as I need to fall back, right? As I need to sit back. I need something to, I need a hammock. How do you make the hammock? Right. And it's every thread that intersects and connects. And I think that's a, a an amazing and beautiful thing because we live at a time right now where people keep thinking that these systems that they gave us are sufficient when in reality, these systems was just made to suppress and just keep us controlled. And I think that, you taking the reins and being like, nah, I got to do this for me, is you now being a, a, a beacon for people to see, to kind of have that light shed on what it means to really think deeper about yourself, about just who you are as an individual. So, you know, in that scope, what do you like? Was it a gradual process or was it like something distinct where you're like, you know what? I need to start this journey now, right? I need to start because, you know, you said it, you're still on the path of doing it. And as we love to say, it's about practice, right? How do you maintain the same form under pressure over time, right? How do you maintain consistency, right, to sustain yourself through the actual movement? And I think that for you to say all that, do you recall or even think there was a moment where it was like, you know what? This is me realizing I got to go this way.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, before I answer that though, I do want to I do want to say something based on what we just talked about. We as a community, as people of color in this country, need to understand that we're not just dealing with the trauma that we experience that we're experiencing right now in the current in like 2020. And we're not just dealing with the trauma that we experience individually as we go throughout our own individual lives. We are dealing with the trauma of generations of generations of generations. Like that stuff is passed down through the blood. There are times where like, I I don't know about y'all but I can't watch movies about slavery and stuff like that because it literally, it does something physically to my body that takes me days to process and work out of because my body is responding to the trauma of my ancestors. And I feel like if the, if more of us would, would start thinking that way, we would create space for each other to just not be okay. So then we can start developing these communities and these safe spaces and like taking down the stigma of black people going to therapy and black people just not being okay, like, it's okay for us not to be okay we got a right to not be okay and we and once we recognize that we also need to be creating safe spaces for each other to heal like we shouldn't have to be going outside of our communities to find that healing but too often we don't create those spaces for each other we ridicule each other for for having those, for having anxiety or depression we call each other soft or you ain't hard or you ain't real or you ain't whatever we as people of color, if we really want to heal, we have to be the ones to start making that space for each other. So I want to say that first. True. Um, <laughs> um, so yes, there was a time actually. Um, there was a time when I realized like, you know what, something's got to give. Um, when I was, and I actually wrote a poem about this called At 31, and I wrote it at 31, but the journey actually started for me at 29. <laughs> When I was 29, I had an epiphany that I'm about to be 30 years old. It was on my 29th birthday. I'm going to be 30 years old next year. And I did an assessment of my 20s. And I, I, I if what I did is I sat down and I said, okay, from 19 to 29, show me the moments where you were truly happy, like, you didn't, have, you didn't make it up. You didn't count it all joy. You weren't trying to persist in hope and faith. You were g- genuinely happy. And um, I could not find a lot of them because what I realized is most of my 20s was just trying to survive it. And so I decided I don't want my 30s to look like my 20s. So what do, what do we got to do differently to make sure that we don't live another decade like that? And so I sat down with my journal and I wrote out what I wanted my thirties to look like that. I wanted it to be full of joy, full of love, full of, you know, abundance, full of um creativity, full of adventure, full of all these things. And don't get me wrong. my I, I did some really cool stuff in my twenties. Like I t- I traveled the world in my twenties. I did all these things in my twenties. It was great. I was, I lived in Italy. It was great. Like I had, I did a lot of cool things, but because there wasn't peace in my internal world, a lot of that is colored with this, air of of uh, it with this um, air of some sadness because I couldn't find, figure out how to be at peace within myself. So um, I was like, okay, what do we gotta do in our thirties to make sure that we don't miss the good things in life because we're so stressed out on the inside. And it's so funny cause I was having this conversation with my big brother the other day and we were both just kind of evaluating some things. And my brother, he's living his best life right now. Like he's got a, gr- a like a dream job. He just moved into a new house. He's about to have a new baby. And he's like, but I'm not happy, what's wrong? And we didn't realize like I'm dealing with PTSD because I went through so much stuff <laughs> and I haven't taken the time to really process and heal from it so I can enjoy these moments. So I had that moment at 29 and realize like, I'm gonna have to do whatever I gotta do to make sure that pain and sadness and struggle does not define my life. Yes, it's inevitable, it's life, it will happen, but it does not have to be the definition of my life if I learn how to make sure that my inner world is at peace. Um, and that's where I started my honest poet movement for myself. Like, If I'm gonna be a poet, and I'm going to be an artist, and I'm going to be a writer. I'm going to write about real shit. I'm not going to write about this flowery stuff unless somebody is paying me to write something flowery. Because sometimes I get paid just to write flowery stuff, and that's fine. But um, that was my one. <laughs> I got two left. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, if I'm going to write the kind of things that that, that matter, it has got to come from a real, authentic place, even if it's ugly. And so I went through that process of really changing and evaluating that. And just um, real talk, what it, what it really has come down to is me just being really selfish. And I don't mean selfish in a bad way. I mean, selfish in the way that I wanna be the best that I can be with the people who love me. I wanna be able to give them my best, which means I have to be my best, which means I can't always be on or giving or sharing everything. Some things have to be just mine. So that I can give the best I have to the people that need it, and and I and that I want to give it to. So yeah, that's the answer to that question.
0: Uh, I pre- I mean I appreciate it. Um, just because like when you said that, like it reminded me of when I was like while in twenty five, and I was getting ready to be twenty six, and twenty six was like that moment where I was like, you know, okay, let's go a little scientific, little you know. Prefrontal cortex usually is done developing around the age of 26. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, the thing is, in society, we create safeguards that can help people in terms of not giving into impulse. Right. Because that's what the prefrontal cortex is doing. It is helping you with impulsive decisions. It's helping you. Well, actually, in this context, when you're prior, when you're younger, right, when you're just an adult, right, you can do what you want, as they say but your brain isn't at the point yet where it can make and decipher those decisions right so when you're saying all that it's reminding me of when i felt like i had an aha moment and i didn't know it at the time until later and i really looked deeper into it It was like oh well, well my brain might have just caught up to where my heart wanted to be right And so I started realizing, okay, I was starting to put certain things into practice, but I wasn't there yet. I was engaged in toxic behaviors. I was engaged in toxic relationships. I was coming from a toxic household, right? I'm, you know, in in the music that I make, oftentimes I refer back to what I grew up in. And as you said it earlier in this conversation was like, I love the people who raised me and I'm thankful for them, but I can't, I can't, Ignore the things they didn't know. I can't ignore the things that they failed, and I can't ignore where they they had their shortcomings, right? Because, again, if I'm going to be honest with myself, I have to be honest with the people around me, in hopes that that honesty will give them the chance to grow and excel and exceed and and be their best self, right? And so, when I'm hearing you say that, and you had that moment where you're like, you know what, I'm looking, I'm realizing, even if I had a happy moment, was I really happy in those moments? whole in a whole self and my whole being in my heart and my mind am i able to really reflect back and say that was there was a purity in it right because it's not to say that you yourself are going to be this kind of like the best of what the world has to offer but you can be the best you you can be better than what you were yesterday you can love yourself more today than you did yesterday you can you can enjoy yourself more right if you choose to, if you make that choice, right? Because at the end of the day, you only have your perspective, you only have your mind, your heart, your soul. And when you said those things, it really resonated with me in my moments of like, uh, I'm in crisis, right? I need help, I need to figure it out. I need to get my network, my community, my people, myself together to figure out. And then to go into it, you said selfish, right? And I can agree people have to understand what that balance is like between being selfish and then being a person that is a part of the world right it is a balance because so often we get so used to the idea of like family first your job comes first you gonna let them get in the way of your tech or you know your education's first you put all these things first but we never talk about putting yourself. First, you come first, right? Like, oh no, it's for your team. Your team comes before you. No, 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 no. I gotta be a part of the team. I have to be a part of it. Forget what the word says. I gotta be here. Rearrange them word. Rearrange the letters. It's me in the middle of all that. Then, <laughs> right?
2: <laughs> There's, <laughs> me <a team. laughs> There's
0: me and team. There's me and team. All right. So at the end of the day, right? We have to really think about what it means to be selfish in a healthy way, right? Not in a not in a way that is like overflowing pouring into yourself right because too much anything is bad right the dosage makes the poison the dosage makes the poison but you got to give to you you got to make sure that you can take care of you that you are fulfilled that you are happy and i think it's it's essential that people really understand what it means to find that balance for themselves because it is different for everyone right everybody's gonna have their way you know you could tell a person to drink some water, it's on them to want to actually drink it. Some people might run to the soda. Hey, that's on you, mm-hmm. but you're gonna need something to drink, and how much of that right is gonna be the determining factor of you, what you need. And I think, yes, selfishness is a thing that we have to understand, we have to practice because so often we talk about sharing. Look, taxes is sharing enough. Y'all get enough of me out of these taxes, okay? Y'all on, I share without i don't get to choose all right i don't get to pick right and if i do it's it's against me so again selfishness is necessary because again you create what that looks like and you figure out what that balance is but you need to know what it means to love you first to enjoy you first and to find wellness and peace within you first so you know kind of going down that thread i mean what is it that like now the practices are for you right you've kind of stated what were the things that you found but you know you you said that you've kind of moved around where you went from Colorado you were in Cali now you're closer to to your family how do you maintain those boundaries in that space in a sense of returning back right like how do you define what you need for yourself amongst the people that you love or the people that you need right because I think that's another thing is that boundaries, capacities are necessary to communicate. And so what does that look like for you?
2: Oh, Okay. That is a really good question because literally my family and I are in the process of trying to figure that out right now. Before I get into that though, I want to say I love everything that you just said because you can't love and cherish and care for other people if you don't do that for yourself. Um, And I just learned that the hard way, you know, in this relationship that I just got out of, if somebody does not love themselves, you can't expect them to love you. You can't expect them to give you what they can't give to themselves. So my thing is like, and I'm not saying selfish as in like this person is stingy and they don't want to take, they don't want to help nobody. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about if somebody has not gotten to the point where they're like, I love myself, I think I am the bomb. I take good care of myself. I want the best for myself because I want to be the best to give. You know, if that person hasn't gotten there, you ain't gonna get anything good from them. <laughs> but well, I, I just, it's
0: like
1: this. Yeah, it's like the best. The best member on a team is the one who knows their capacity and knows their limits. Exactly. Right, and so if you know, if you don't know, right? As a as a, if, I'm a, if I'm a quarterback and I can't run the ball, I bet not run. I I better not run. I bet I better hand the ball off. (laughs) Exactly. I I bet I better hand the ball off. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I I better as soon as possible, get the ball to the one who can make a play. Yeah. Right. If I'm, if I'm going to be a decision maker in my life and I'm going to be, I'm going to team up with other decision makers, right. Then I need to know my limits and my capacity say, well, I can't really do this. I'm going to need someone else to help me. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like, that that selfishness is really like self identification,
2: self awareness.
1: Right. It's like yeah. my I What's on my ID? Right. My eyes. My eye color. My hair color. My height. My weight. Right. My date of birth. Right. So when I ID myself, right, as a member of a team or as a potential member of a team. I need to have some ideas, some parameters of like who who am I? Mm-hmm. And if I don't know what my needs are, right, what my wants are, what my preferences are, and I come in trying to fit someone else's mold, right, or I'm not sure if they even fit what I what I want, I'm I'm just walking into the spiked wall in a video game, pretty much. <laughs> it's like <laughs> You just splat. At splat. some point, <laughs> it's you just gonna impale yourself with the truth.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I just had because that's something thing
1: you're not aware of is the truth.
0: No, I mean you're right. You're right, and I just want to say because me, <laughs> see, this is it. This is it. You said splat, but on the other end, you said like coming out of a relationship, and I just want to, I just want to say this. Mm-hmm for posterity's sake but like historical sake because I know this is going to be trapped in digital media forever I just want to apologize to every every person that I said I ever loved that I ain't sticking out with I just want to <laughs> apologize right now I just want to say I'm sorry to all my exes any girl I ever crushed on because I didn't love me mm-hmm. like, it is so Fact. real like when you said Fact. that me going back to that 25 26 year old self that's mm-hmm. what it was I had to learn how to love me right I love my family. I, I love my girl at the time. Right. But I wasn't loving me. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do anything if I didn't. How can you utter the words if you don't have grasp of what that looks like for yourself on a day to day? Right.
1: It's pop pop Warner love.
0: Pop Warner love. It really is. <laughs> it's that practice. It's, it's, it's like, that baby. Let me let me. You're going to have to run them laps it's, it's because you need it's to. It's not varsity. Me. It's not
1: college. It's it not ain't. football. It's, it it's is, not. It's, it's not. It's not
0: pro at all. It's mighty mites. It's just okay. <laughs> it's mighty mites. It's the pee wees. Okay, junior You are, you,
1: you really because you really think you winning something. You really think, <laughs> but you what, what you getting is this little consolation trophy.
0: Exactly, you know? exactly.
1: And that's the thing is that that's, like that's the size of your love. That's the capacity of your love. Exactly. It's this little consolation trophy with no name with no name on it. Right. It's this cookie cutter right what someone else has told me love is
2: right it's, it's, it's an
1: external it's an external society description of what
0: love is on this trophy exactly right, right. you watch and- you watch tv you looking at your parents they ain't got a they ain't got nothing look they was your superheroes till you realize they all had kryptonite right exactly. like it's one of those things where everybody your superhero everybody you can't nothing they then you get to a point where you realize wait well, hey, I know a little bit more than you about this, right? Mm. I, gotta, I might have to nurse you back to health. Now mm. I got to be there for you having a breakdown. Now I got to be there to help. And it's like, wait, but you told me this is what love was. And now I got to go figure it out.
2: I was, That's You were wrong?
0: I'm wrong.
2: Can I tell we you that's a wild wrong. thing? Realizing that you're when you get older and you realize your parents were wrong about so many things. <laughs> and y'all, know, y'all, y'all wilding out. It was about surviving, right? And I'm
0: thankful for the survival. But let's be clear: the the yeah. world, as much as it is expansive, it is getting closer and closer and closer yeah. to be small. And the thing is, once you get closer to more people and you see more, you realize, wait there's different experiences that are happening and there's different truths that are occurring and some of them apply to myself Mm -hmm. and so when you said that i just had to say like i am sorry i am sincerely i say with a smile because it is wrapped up in this idea of yes i was running up against a a, a spiked wall but in reality (laughs) i was flat and i just have to say with so much sincerity that i know i was wrong and i'm sorry because i just didn't know how to love me right
2: Can I say that there are so many women out there? I'm sure that appreciate that apology, and um, you know, men men too, because women do it as well. You know, women. It's true.
0: It's true. It goes both ways, and it's just you know, we gotta own that so we can grow from that, so we can learn from that, so we can heal from that, because there's the harm in that, and that's the thing that I just wanted to say. But going back to what you know, I said what like what is the practices for you look like in defining those boundaries amongst the people who you do love
2: yeah so um um lived on i graduated from high school and i moved away from home i went off to college i left college and moved to colorado i left colorado and moved to california so i lived on my own for like 14 years And then COVID happens and I moved back to Georgia and I literally end up moving into my brother's old room (laughs) in my parents' house. So after like almost 15, 14, 15 years of living on my own, I find myself not only back in this place. I'm not just back at my parents' house. I'm back in the, in the house I grew up in. So there's memory, there's history, there's all these different things to combat. There's this new me that I am right now that is so different than the person who left this house at 18. There's this person here who is so different than the person that my family was used to interacting with on a daily basis. Cause yeah, I would come home and visit and we would talk on the phone and all that stuff. But it's different being in someone's physical presence all the time. Um, and so I had to realize, and I'm still realizing that as much as I love my family and they love me or my parents rather, cause both my brothers are off, um, on their own, doing their own thing. Um, and it's so crazy cause I always had always prided myself on the fact that I'm the only kid who never had to move home. And then I ended up here and I'm like, oh man, I shouldn't have said mm-hmm. that <laughs> mm-hmm. but there was a lot of humility that had to come with that. There was a lot of uh, perspective that had to come with that. There was a lot of me realizing, wow. come on now. There was a lot of me realizing that God re- literally set it up this way because what I didn't realize is in those 14 years of me refusing. like I don't, No matter how bad it got anywhere I lived in the world, I was like, I ain't going back home, though. I sleep under a bridge. I lived in my car a couple of times and I was like, that's fine because it's not home. But now that I'm here, realizing that God literally set it up like this because there were things that I needed to confront make a point, heal from so that they don't continue to not only just hinder me, but generationally hinder my family. Like there's a lot of stuff that has had to come out and be dealt with now that I'm home and I have the tools and the maturity to address these things with my family in a way that can actually be helpful and not just turn into a yelling match where everybody hates each other at the end. so what, what I say, I say that because de- redefining my boundaries with my family has been a huge challenge because I'm literally living down the hall from my parents. <laughs> so what does that look like? That means I got to get out and make sure I have plenty of alone time. I go work out with my best friend every morning. That is my time to be away from home. Come on, Alex. Shout out, <laughs> shout out to the workout grind. <laughs> um, I do yoga every day in my room by myself. Like I literally have arranged my room to be a safe haven for me. When you come into my room, you literally, it literally feels like you came into a different, you don't even realize you're in the same house. The carpet is different. Like there's- California? (laughs) Yeah, literally my room looks like I just picked up my Bay Area life and just moved it to Georgia. (laughs) I love it. But I had to make this, it's like, this is not, I like, I love my parents, but I don't want to live with them. You know, I'm 30 something years old. I don't want to be living here with them, but I can't change that at the moment. But what can I change? I can make sure that this space works for who I am. So I've set my room up to work for me. I've got my workspace. I've got my yoga space. I've got my meditation space. I've got pictures. I got things in this room that make me feel comfortable, make me feel safe, make me feel like me. If I ever need to get out, hey fam, love you guys, gonna go stay with this friend while I, you know, COVID safe friend <laughs> um, while I, you know, recover for a little bit. And then I come back. There has to be a lot of open communication with my family about my process. I learned that the hard way after I went through something and did not openly communi- communicate with them about how I was doing and it caused a huge problem. So now it's like, all right, I I have to be okay with telling you when I'm mad when I'm sad, when something's bothering me, when things are okay, I have to let you know those things so that they don't just become these unspoken ghosts. You know what I mean? So what the process for redefining the boundaries with my family and the people closest to me looks like right now is over communication. (laughs) Over communication, say everything. Even if it doesn't, even if they didn't need to know, tell them anyway, Um, because you don't know. Say it again. You already said it before. Say it three more times because it's important that I communicate to my family where I am and how I'm doing so that they don't like cross the line or I don't cross the line that makes the other person or someone feel offended that grows this grudge that turns into this big thing next, you know, 10 years later at Christmas dinner, you still ain't speaking to somebody for something that you perceived happened in the hallway that wasn't even a thing, but nobody ever talked about it. And that right there is actually the history of my family. And I really do feel like God allowed me to come home so I could recognize those things and just start taking sledgehammers to them. So now I talk about everything that bothered me. That made me upset. That hurt my feelings. I feel like crying. I walked into the living room today and just sat there on the floor. Mom's like, are you okay? I was like, nope, I feel like crying. I just feel like crying. She goes, oh, okay. Do you need to cry right now? I was like, Probably. <laughs> <laughs> at the risk of looking absolutely insane, this is what we're doing. Did you guys hear that? That's my nephew. I think he just woke up. Oh, Speaking but... of crying, somebody... So, I know. Somebody, you so need a crier? On cue. <laughs> what on I got? Cue. that's my Put me in, coach.
1: <laughs> put, put me. I got
0: this. <laughs> that's so good. I mean, it's so... But it's so real. Like, you're right. Like, you have to... You have to lead with that level of honesty and transparency and, like, just forward communication and being consistent, like, because people just don't know. Like, one, just as much as you may know someone, you don't fully know how they learn, how Mm -hmm. they hear it, how they receive it. And so it's important to figure out how many different ways can I say the same thing so you can hear and feel what I got to say because it is one thing for me to tell you it's another thing for you to understand it right like if as they say like what is it what is the word if communication is the key comprehension is the lock right Mm -hmm. and that's the thing is that people often think about the key they don't figure out what lock is it going into right and so You know, when you're sitting there and you're like, I'm going to sit in front of you and I'm just going to be very honest front. Like, I got to cry. It is important to say that. It's important to just because you're just communicating what is going on. But we've created all these buffers and all these societal stigmas to say, oh, well, you know, like the first thing that that people always say, well, if you're going to do boxing and you get punched, you better not cry. And it's like, no, you better cry.
2: Yeah. You can let
0: that out. It (laughs) hurts. You need to know what that pain felt like because now you're going to put them techniques into practice, right? To not get punched, right? Now you understand the level of commitment that you need to have to taking these punches, right? So it's okay to cry, cry it out because at the end of the day, that is what needs to happen. It is happening within you. Do not fight what is happening within you because then that's when you start to build up this level of resentment or you start to build up all of these behaviors that are repressed or oppressed. And that is not serving anyone. It is not serving you. Come right? on. You, you got to give that. right. If we're here, if you love me, accept me for as I appear, accept me as I am, accept me for what I have to give, especially if, if I'm not causing you harm. And I'm just communicating through my tears. I'm communicating. Just like a three-year-old. Yeah. harm is being done to me.
2: Yep.
0: Okay? Just like a three-year-old. So- You Come on. What what is the most honest form of communication? I need to respond. I need to be responsible to that. Right. But for some strange reason, once you get to a certain point in life, everybody's like, no, no, no. I want that no more. I don't want no. I don't want the responsibility. I don't want to feel obligated to come. Mm. If you cry, I'm going to feel obligated to either cry with you or I'm going to feel like I got to do something. Oh, well, you ain't got you here with me, you not. Let me know. Just, gonna, just let me do me. At the end of the day, let me do me. Let me be me. Let me show you. Let me communicate to you. Let me. Can we stop with the stigma? Can we stop with the putting up these walls? Because we lose more than we gain, right? When you don't share and you don't give out and you don't, we just talked about it. We just talked about it last week. We talked about people who are in leadership positions who we take for granted because they're there to serve us. Who's there to serve them, right? They repress. They hold down. They suppress. They put it. They, I'm going to put it away. I'm going to put it off. I'm not going to I'm not even going to deal with it. And then what happens? You fall apart. Mm-hmm. You 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 become that that wall that gets created from you. Everything you don't let out becomes another brick in a wall. That's all it is. You build up this wall between you and the rest of the world. And as much as everyone likes to think they're isolated, as much as everyone thinks, that oh, well, it don't affect me. We true. all have those things, right? Mm-hmm. We all got those impact markers. We all have those moments. And so I just want to say, I, I'm glad you said it because it is true. Like you have to speak in those very transparent and just very, just clear terms, very direct, right? Very black and white. Ain't no shades of nothing. I'm just going to say, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to cry. And that's what it's going to be. I feel like crying. I'm going to cry. And if yeah. I can't cry, well, sh- at least you know where I'm at even if I can't produce the tears.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: So, you know, I just want people people to hear it, how much it is similar, but also the differences because it is necessary, as we say many times, as I've spoken many times, boundaries, right? If B spoke it and B plants it and B about it, B about that balance, but also B, right, is going to be able to just be be you, be yourself, right? Be bount, be bountiful, be boundless, like limitless in what it is that you have to offer and that you have to give. But it's also like, you know, you gotta just you gotta be honest and you gotta be clear with those around you. So, you know, I just I, I appreciate hearing that a lot.
2: That's what's so up.
0: Speaking
1: of appreciating hearing, I heard you brought some art with you. Mm.
2: You heard right (laughs) Uh, You heard right you've
1: been working on some things In the last week
2: I have Um, So I have been told For many many years Brittany you need to write a book Brittany you need to write a book And I've been like Yeah I don't want to No 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 I don't want to And then COVID happened And I had like No job at the time Thank God I have a job now I'm really grateful It's just funny I moved all the way to Georgia Just to get a job in San Francisco It's so funny (laughs) <laughs> Sorry.
1: but that's right but that's right that's the balance you needed
2: it is oh my god it definitely is like my my life my life wasn't working in the bay in the bay but my life in the bay works in georgia if that makes any sense which i'm really grateful for bars,
0: <laughs> bars.
2: yeah so um i i sat down one day just to process my feelings about some stuff and realized that i had written the forward to my book I was like, Oh snap. Okay. And then I put it down and didn't touch it for months. And then I went through this pretty traumatic, traumatic experience a couple of weeks ago. And just, again, my part of my healing process, when I go through anything is to write. Like I tell people all the time, I did not become a poet because I thought it was cool. I became a poet to keep my sanity. (laughs) I started it for my, for my own healing. And if my healing helps other people heal, then that's cool. But I started it for myself first. And so went through this traumatic experience with this really unexpected and pretty awful breakup. Uh, I hadn't dated anybody in like 10 years and then decided to give it a shot. And it was a total shit show (laughs) for lack of a better word. And so part of my way of processing that was to write. And so whenever I sat down to write my feelings, it just came out in poetry and I realized this is chapter three of my book. I don't know what chapters one and two are yet, but this is definitely chapter three. So, (laughs) um, This piece is called uh, What They Say About Unicorns. And uh, I'll let you listen to it. I'm just going to warn you in advance. I'm going to use my number three with this one. (laughs) They said that pain would make me a better artist and heartbreak would give me a steady flow of ink to my pen as if pain is the parent company of Bic and all things ballpoint writing utensil. I said, fuck that. We don't need to be sad to make good art, and poetry is the beautiful sunrise after a beautiful night when no one died, with no weapons, with no weeping to endure, and we didn't have anything to cry about. And for a moment, my pen spouted rainbow-colored prose and sunshine limericks that any unicorn would be proud to recite because unicorns are happy and they do not cry, but today, Heartbreak puts this theory to the test and my pen is working overtime. Finding every possible way to write healing onto paper. She's so creative when she's bleeding. Silly woman for thinking that anything beautiful comes without bloodshed. The only reason the sunrise is beautiful is because the hours of darkness that came before it. The only reason life is beautiful is that the effects of living are so temporary. The only reason you are an artist is because pain has tried to make you his bitch and you turned him into a lullaby that you'll sing to your daughters one day. And the books you'll litter history with, they say that the best artists are born from suffering. We are the magicians making misery into masterpieces, turning heartbreak into blockbuster sensations. This wound, take this wound and stitch it up with poetry and storytelling. Just for now, until it's time to bleed again.
1: Bars. <laughs> Stitch it up till it's time to bleed again.
2: That's uh, that's one of my new spit. Thank you.
0: Nah, no, I, I appreciate it. Thank you for that. I mean, it uh, it hits me in the soul in its terms of it's nothing to destroy, it takes everything to build. Mm-hmm. Right? The pyramids is still here.
2: Yeah. Right?
0: The pyramids is still here. Someone had to build that. It don't take nothing to blow it up. It don't take nothing to destroy it. Mm-hmm. But in reality, it's that like, because when you when you said that whole part, the whole, me paraphrasing, but what you said was, it's not that life extends and lives on forever. It's that it's just a moment in time that makes it beautiful, right? And it's that, that realization that it's limited, right? Because if you had it and you didn't worry about it, you would grow tired of it. Right. People all the time talk about I can't eat that no more. Uh-uh. It's my it was my favorite meal, but I, I, I didn't did it too much. Right. That's the same way I see that line when it comes to life. Right. If you don't grasp it and you live in fear of the thought, you forget well, what would happen if you had it forever. You would grow very weary. You would grow very tired. You would understand it. You know what? I've had too much of it. And that's the thing, right? Going back to what I said, dosage makes the poison. Well, you better grasp that bit of life you got because it is beautiful, right? And everything that you said was a reflection of that, of the the encompassing the pain that we we all experience in different capacities. But with what you said, it was about taking it on and not letting it define you in the sense that this will be, the, this will be my tears and my cry. This will now be my lullaby, right? This will be the thing that I will I will be able to pass down to my next of kin, my generations, and have them be able to go to sleep to what would keep me awake. Like, you know, like people like really peep the game that was put down. It's deep, right? And you got to really think about how and what that is because a lot of times, like, I, I mean, I just, you know, call it out. I had a conversation with my little cousin, and I said, I'm responsible to my trauma. And immediately they was like, nah, uh, uh-uh, no, nope, not me. Nope. Trauma. What that mean? What that got to do with me? And I'm like, hold on. I've been through so much and I've experienced so much from others that I have to be responsible. So I don't pass it on to the next person. I don't pass it on to the next generation. And then I don't create that for someone else. Right. Because the trauma was done and I've seen how it's done its damage it's done its harm and i don't want that to happen right and i think that with what you said it gives me that reflection that moment to be like yes Mm -hmm. i can see the beauty in it i can own this i can move and walk away from it and i can use it to help others to maybe heal to repair and i think that is just like it's majestic as it is magical in what you said but it also speaks to who you are and you know everything you said with us on this podcast but all the little moments in between that i've got to share that i can surely say our fluent has got to share and that the lyrical opposition family has got to share right yes. <laughs> So so spoke it you know as much as I appreciate your time, I want to honor your time and, and I thank you for your time. Is there any closing thoughts, closing words, anything you want to give to the people share anything coming up, anything you got going on? I mean, this, this is it. Have at it.
2: Yeah. So, um, 2020 has been a great year of like cocoon time for me. So 2021 is going to be the launch of a lot of cool stuff from bespoke it. I'm dropping a new podcast in January called black girl sticky notes. Um, where the premise of it is just unpacking this uh, the enigma of what it means to be a black woman. Um, so we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be interviewing different black women from all over just to get a different perspective about what it is to be a black woman from multiple different people. I'm super excited about this podcast. It's been in the works for a long time, so you can look out for that on IG. I'll be dropping um um. Black, at Black Girl Sticky Notes is a li- is a live IG um, handle that I have. I just haven't posted yet, but keep on the lookout for that. I got a new camera, so I'm working on all my content to be dropping soon. Podcast is going to launch on my birthday in January. Uh, like I said earlier, I got a book coming out in 2021. It's going to be called Levity, the Book of Joy and Lamentation. And um, yeah, just stay on the lookout for more poetry, more prose, more thoughts from Bespoke at the Poet. And let me also say my Lyrical Ops fam, I love y'all. I am super honored that y'all asked me to come do this. It's so funny, like Christian's gonna hear this later. And I remember Christian in 2018 when I was like, bro, where's our podcast though? 2019, bro, where's our podcast though? So I'm really glad that 2020, after I leave the Bay, is the year y'all do this. (laughs) This is great.
1: But yo, checks still come from the Bay. (laughs)
2: This is true. You are right.
1: So oh, you ain't that day. far away.
2: You come from the thing. Oh, this is true. This is true. So I'm I love y'all so much. I'm super honored to to still be fans, still be community and community with y'all. So thank you. This was a great discussion by the way. Y'all are doing a great job.
0: Arnold, thank you very much. Much appreciated. We love you as well. Um love you, just to Appreciate you know, that. we try to we try to keep you know, this is a space for healing and, and, you know, in every all intents and purposes harm reduction, right? Like at the end of the day, there's enough harm to go around in this world. And we trying to create a space where that just, that don't exist, right? We can speak to it, but we trying to move away from it, right? And what we move into health, wealth, and happiness, right? Safety, peace, and love. And I think that, you know, when it comes to, Lyrical opposition, right? It's LO versus everyone, especially in that regard. It is LO versus everyone. And so, you know, I think that, um, you know, it's just, I appreciate you taking the time out and being vulnerable, being honest, being open and sharing so much because I know this will serve so many people. It has definitely served me. It is healing to me. This gives me that ability to kind of just keep pushing when i want to just be like man i'm ready to tear it up but again right i gotta gotta have some restraint have some control and find that balance and I, i'm glad I away, to, for real i'm glad you was able to, to share with me and give me so much time to reflect on so many different moments through what you said so i appreciate you bespoke it thank you bespoke it um Bespoke It. Again, this is episode 26 of Lyrical Ones Podcast. Bespoke It is our guest. That is B-S-P-O-K-E-I-T. You can find her on Instagram, Facebook, and Bespoke It's website, bespokeitpoetry.com. I repeat, bespokeitpoetry.com. That's B as in boy, S as in Sam, P as in Paul. O as in Oscar, Uh, K as in Key, E as in Edward, I as in Iowa, T as in Terry, poetry.com. Okay, I'm trying to, you know, give you all the space to write it down, get it together, rewind it if you need to. For those that got the audio only version, bespoke at poetry.com. So bespoke Thank you for your time.
2: Yes, Thank you. all. Enjoy
0: your time off if you have any. And, uh, you know, we got to do this again.
2: We sure will. Y'all let me know.
0: (laughs) For sure, for sure
2: awesome
0: be spoken yes i'm proud of you i love you
1: tell your family tell your sister your best friend what's up um she'll be glad to hear yeah LO's, you know it's not the same you know without y'all but we're better because you guys were here Mm. um you know and so i appreciate you we we carry you with us and and everything so we're glad you could revisit with us today um and we, I'm excited for your 2021, and your poetry, um, and, and your growth, and your trajectory. Um, Yeah, you know, I'm excited for you. Good to see you. Good to hear from you. Great to talk to you. Thank you. Thanks for staying up with us.
2: You're That's welcome. All. I'm going to bed now. Y'all yes. am gonna over here. Yes, <laughs>
1: and, and enjoy your authentic meals tomorrow.
2: Yeah, we barbecuing. Yeah. That's what we're doing tomorrow. I, yes it's How ho- really? however you
1: however you freak it is it's all right that's all that all is all that matters is that you do it with the fam and your loved ones that's that's all however you freak it it's 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 all it, it ain't good. about
0: it ain't about what they tell us the day is so for they gave us the day off we gonna Come make on. it work okay we're gonna make it work
1: <laughs> y'all
0: know i ain't taking the day off you know i'm work- working not, early in the morning. not you not you okay not our fluent but B. You do what you got to do, okay? You get that meat, smoke that meat, char that meat, eat the meat, yeah. We out here <laughs> barbecuing. You feel me? Georgia, yeah, we over. on our way. L.O. and Georgia, it's happening soon. We going to figure this out. Let's get this pan through it, by the way. You feel Let's me? Let's do it. Hey. Peace.
2: Bye, y'all.
0: Till Til next time, indeed. So, as we like to do at this time, right, we have announcements. Join uh, our lyrical assembly, Reads for Resistance book club that happens every Saturday at 9 a.m. This week, we are reading chapter three of the book, Decolonizing Evangelicalism. If you are interested in joining.
1: Evangelicalism.
0: Evangelicalism, right? I fumble with that oh. word every week. Evangelicalism. As long as this word keeps coming up, I'm going to keep fumbling with evangelicalism. All right. Evangelion. I mean, evangelicalism. I mean, anime. All right. Nice. Chapter three of the book, Decolonizing Evangelicalism. If you are interested in joining, email Lacy at lyricalopposition.org to join. That is L-A-C-Y at lyricalopposition.org. Okay. Second, if you want to get connected to our online community, join us on our Discord community server. Text lyrical opposition at 415- 903 I repeat, that is 415- nine zero three seven six nine nine once again for the people who don't want to rewind four one five nine zero three seven six nine nine get connected to the discord and the lyrical assembly broadcasts every week on sunday at 10 a.m i say that every week sunday at 10 a.m pacific standard time tune in if you're interested to learn or have or share with faith arts and activism that's the Lyrical Assembly broadcast every Sunday. So on Saturdays, 9 a.m., Lyrical Assembly, Reads for Resistance Book Club. That is Saturday, 9 a.m. Sundays, right? 10 a.m., that is the Lyrical Assembly broadcast, right? And then, every time in between, Discord. Get on it. 415-903-7699. So, get connected. Stay connected. We out here in these interwebs. You know what I'm saying? The internet's we out here in these zeros and ones, binary codes. Get connected with the, the LO family, okay? Um, Al Fluent, how you doing?
1: I'm great. You know, I'm energized from the conversation. Uh, you know, it's always nice to have your people come through and, and drop gems, give you, give you tools uh, for navigating this world, and just really think about, you know, things that we can do to interact and become closer with our family through overcommunication. I thought that was really poignant. Um, Definitely. And, you know, simple in theory, but, you know, the, it's a, uh, it's a tough task at times. It takes, you know, just takes routine, um, takes humility, takes trust, takes respect. Um, And, you know, we have to continue to move toward being ourselves so that, you know, people know who we are so they can love us for who we are. Uh, you know, I think, <laughs> I think that's what America is going through right now, really. <laughs> um, like you can't really say you love America if you don't, if you don't know what, what it's, what it's up to. Um, and I think a lot of people are coming to terms with, you know, what America has been up to, you know, f- for a long time now. Um, so, hopefully they can love love the dream and and whip the country whip the country into
0: shape practice it's all practice i mean i just i want i mean you said that and you know it remind me of it remind me of the video you sent everybody in the group chat where it's the dave chappelle right he's eight talking 18 minutes and you know like you know uh, look i I, you know me my name's sin right i gotta represent right um and i'm saying that to say this right i'm not i'm not christian by any means i'm not any one deity right i you hear the songs i say buddha allah yahweh right i the bay you get it buddha allah yahweh you only gonna get it here you ain't gonna never hear me say that again no interview nothing buddha allah yahweh it's the bay right and the thing is is that to me you know it's about having that faith, right? Whatever that faith is, you know, try to find it because you know, hope is chance, faith is choice. And I'm saying that because I don't I don't have hope I'll make it. I have faith in me that I'm going to make it, right? I hope for better days, but I have faith I'm going to make some great days, right? And so the thing is, when you send that, it was a critical and pivotal moment for me in the week because I was having my own little uh, like, uh, Okay, this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm seeing in front of me. And I'm looking at somebody who I confided in when I was a young man, Dave Chappelle. Right. Like I confided in him through his comedy, his art. Right. The way that his platform was structured was here's a black man in America and he's giving us that real, that raw, that authenticness that I don't see around me, right? When you're looking at these shows, the Dave Chappelle show, you're looking at a glimpse of what's inside you being magnified, right? And it's the most rewarding feeling because you can identify with this man. For me, it was, right? And so when you send me that and he's talking about what that show means to him now, and I have to reflect on like my association, my relationship, right? I haven't really watched the show since I was that time period. Like when he left it, like a piece of me, I left the show. Like I was like, you know what? I'll find him when I find him. Right. And in this, there's a line. He says that I was the night before. And I've always said the story to people where I was a young child and I was going to my summer program and my friend's mother was in a car and I'm saying, do you know what's in hot dogs? and I was breaking down everything in it and the mother has said arsenio not everyone wants to know what's in hot dogs and I was like but I do right my young ignorant self I can't comprehend what the mother's really saying to me not everyone wants to know right and I'm like but I do I'm still going to eat it I just want to know what am I eating right it tells like you deserve to know what's in the hot dog you eat you deserve to know like he said it after all this, this long, this incredible, gripping story about his experience and and what it means to be a, a man, to be an entertainer, to be in this society and to have this, you know, everybody's like, oh, should Chapel, he got paid. He was rich. And it's like, yo, that's not, that's further from the truth, right? He breaks it down. And at the end of it all, he says, you deserve to know what's in the hot dogs you eat. And to me, that was the most validating confirmation moment that I could have had all week in this one little slice. I was like listening to 18 minutes of him going and he gets to that 17 minute mark and he say that. And I'm like, we here. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good because we still got that synchronicity. Right. Regardless of what anybody wants to say. I'm right. That he that he that he that
1: he's still portraying one of the variants of the black experience right that there is someone experiencing someone's going through you know namely you going through the concept of understanding what's being served to you right in every walk of life right not just that not just at a meal right but and making your own meal, right? And acquiring meal for your family and helping someone else get a meal, right? The work and the exchanges and the transactions that are happening, you need to know what's happening, what what's the what that system is made of. Right. You you deserve to know, you know, what that system is made of be, so that you can make a a, a choice on whether it's the same way you want to operate it's like when you learn that that you can hide behind the the white block on super mario 3 and go behind the go and to the background to get the first whistle like when you learn that you deserve to know that because everybody else knows yes it may be a spoiler the game is 20 years old it's fine but like when you know that, it's like, oh man. You mean I can skip level one, which is I can skip world one, I can skip world two, world two is a is a problem, is annoying. And I can and I could go keep, I could just skip all this. Right? And it's there for me. It's not a cheat. It's not a, it's not, it, it's just educate. I can now make an educated choice on how to move forward and how much time I want to spend on steps that may hinder me with the limited amount of time that I have or the limited amount of resources I have. I may want to expend them on world four and not on world two and world three, right? When I learned that, okay, I grew up getting free lunches And now it's kids growing up getting free lunches and the system is the same and the food is the same and nothing has changed. And I can make an impact in some way. Right. I can provide more information. Right. I can speak to some restaurants and who are struggling and help them now feed some families or feed some workers. Right. There's things that can be done. You deserve to know that it's a possibility. You deserve to know that the celebrity doesn't always get what they deserve. Right? And not just in a negative sense. Sometimes for the positive too. Sometimes they earn and they don't get what they earn. Sometimes like the... What is it? The uh, the paycheck doesn't always match the the, the status, and which I think it's really right. That's what really what the narrative is, right? It's like you you need to know more about who's creating that negative, who's funding that narrative, and how does it benefit in them, and who is it harming? Like sometimes we got to know that the narrative is harming us. Right, we deserve to know what the narrative that's being that's being spun is being pitched is, um, it's harming us, and you know, that's all I got to say about that. That's my I mean, my but short it, story. But, it,
0: but it's real though. It's my like, short take. It's it is a thing where it, in order for you to play the game, you got to know how to play it, right? Like. Sometimes you can't just jump in. Right. You, you might not. You ain't going to get no other life. Right. Mario, you, you you start over, but you're learning in the process. Right. From failure. And a lot of times what happens in this world we live in, they want you to fail and let that failure carry on for the rest of your life. Right. They want you to fail and they want that failure to when you become a felon, you're marked as a felon. Right. When you sign a contract. The contract a lot of times is in perpetuity, right? When I say perpetuity, that means for the rest of your life, as long as we exist, as long as we as entities exist, we going to maintain this this relationship that we have, right? And now you got to ask yourself, right? In Mario, you fail, you come back, you play again, right? In life, you fail, sometimes you don't get a do-over or sometimes you got to fight your way through it. You got to break it. You got to find a way to break it. Because to me, in this in this time that we living in, yes, let's celebrate, let's rejoice, but be mindful, right? Once this break is over, right? We're recording this Wednesday. It is November twenty fifth. The year is twenty twenty. Um, as the traditional historians call it, um, this is Thanksgiving, right? Thanksgiving is coming upon us, right? And for me, it's a it's a moment of reflection where, you know, I'll kind of leave it with this: In what world? But this one, do you have a holiday that is treated as though it was this great historical event when it is really one of the the hallmarks of genocide, tragedy and horror for for a whole people, for a nation of people? Right. I am thankful that I'm here. I am thankful that. I am permitted, right? Because that's the thing that we got to pay attention to. I'm permitted, right, through the work I do or through the the different attachments I have. I can have space to spend time with my family, spend time with the ones I love, to be able to break bread and have a moment of peace. I'm thankful for all that, but I am never going to forget why. I will never lose sight of why. And I think that we have to know the why. We have to know what's in hot dogs we eat. We need to know what goes into the systems we are part of. We need to know how these things came to be. And so, you know, for me and where I'm at and what I'll leave this on is, you know, be thankful but be ever mindful of how you got here, why you're here and what do you want to do while you have this, right? So, Affluence, do you have any closing thoughts, closing ideas, any closing words for us? Um,
1: You know, we got... Just basically five weeks left in the in the year. Um, today, November twenty fifth is somebody's, you know, International Stop the Violence Against Women Day. Um, it could be all of ours, but um, every day should be Stop the Violence Against Women uh, Day. And you know, we need to talk about consent. We need to teach. Males, young males, old males, large, small, medium-sized males, uh, old and young males. You know, um, charismatic, non-charismatic, bored, otaku males. And teach them all about consent. Um, you know what that means. Um, and you know, we shouldn't have to. Teach people how to not be victims. We should teach people not to victimize people, um, not to attack people, not to take advantage of people, not to manipulate folks. Um, and you know that's the work that we got to do as a community. You know, it starts with you know cousins and brothers and nephews and friends and coworkers, colleagues, um, associates. You know, calling people out when you see it. You know call the behavior out when you see it um, be eyes be ears um and be a voice for people um when they when they need it and then be a, a pedestal on a platform and a crane and a forklift for those when when they need it um because folks don't need to hear me speak um you know they need to hear B spoke it. Um you know, it's so yeah, that's all. I just I just want us to do better. Um can always do better. You know, call out the language and then, you know, call out call out the behavior and then check yourself and identify where you fall short and keep getting better. Um yeah, I'm all about getting better, so tomorrow's the feeding that's just what i call it it's it's a main my we call it the feed the the feeding, it's the feeding. Uh, yeah you no, that's that's it you get a day off to feed <laughs> it's you know it's not divine, defined by much else it's right it's a it's an indulgent day um you know you can moderate that you know as best you can um, but don't moderate the love don't moderate moderate the trust and respect and uh, integrity um you know overload on that indulge in that more integrity um more eq um more hope more love more community emphasis on the
0: unity you got it right you got it right this is episode 26 of the lyrical ones podcast thank you for taking the time thank you for being here with us but part of usual since we got back to it we gotta do it in only the way that we yeah. can if things want to get it together and actually oh well look at me i'm tripping you see the thing about me being on here those that don't know i am a sucker for old technology and you know there's a, <laughs> he there's went backwards, a, there's a cord that needs to be plugged into something that wasn't plugged in so uh you know i like how that just all of us <laughs> we're gonna do that we're gonna bring that back one more time we're going go do that wall again we're going we go here we go this is how it's supposed to go One, 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 one,
1: one, yeah. Twenty twenty is almost done. Fourth quarter. Make the most of it. It can be great. If you make
0: it that way... If you make it that way...